This morning we're starting a new series called Thank You Notes. Uh, how many of you have ever watched Jimmy Fallon on the, on the Tonight Show? Yes? Some of you? Few, eight or ten or a hundred? Okay, good. Uh, Jimmy Fallon does a segment on the show he calls Thank You Notes. Now, now, how many of you have seen that? You've seen the... Like, I'll give you a little clip in him. I brought a clip with me so you can kind of see what it is. Uh, this segment is a way for him to express gratitude for things that he really isn't grateful for, right? So I don't know if that's called anti-gratitude. I don't know what that really is. But it's kind of things he says he's grateful for, but they actually annoy him. And so it's uh, really funny. So I want to show you a couple of clips of Jimmy Fallon, and uh, here's thank you notes. I was wondering if you guys wouldn't mind, I'd like to write out my weekly thank you notes right now. Is that cool with you guys? You guys are awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you, the Hulk, for possessing a power no other man could ever hope to achieve. The ability to pull off purple jean shorts. It's impossible. Lover boy. Thank you, the Avengers villain Ultron, for showing us what it'd look like if the Terminator became a telemarketer. Yeah, what seems to be the problem? Hello? Hello? Oh, the end of the world is here. <laughs> Oh, have you tried unplugging it? <laughs> Thank you, selfie sticks and drones, for being banned from this year's Kentucky Derby. Or as horses put it, but whips are still good though, right? I'm sure you still bring your whip. Thank you, people who ask me to take my shoes off the moment I get into their house. Forgive me, Sensei. I didn't realize I was entering the sacred dojo. Shall I toss my coat onto the bed or fold it into a decorative origami crane? Last one right here. Thank you, Pringles, for allowing me to munch on Donald Duck's severed beak. There you guys have it right there. Those are my thank you notes. Yeah, a super lot of fun, right? Uh, you know, the truth is, though, it's a lot easier to be sarcastic than it is to be grateful. And so, uh, in, in this series, we're going to be talking about gratitude. And the reason it's easier to be sarcastic than it is to be grateful is because uh, our focus is on tends to be on what's missing or what's not there or the things that frustrate us. It's a lot easier to focus on what frustrates us rather than what blesses us. So our ushers are coming, and they've got a thank you note that they're going to hand, hand to you, and I'd love for everybody to get one. Uh, just uh, hold that in your hand as we talk this morning. So today, uh, we're starting this series called Thank You Notes, and next week, uh, we'll finish it. Um, and we're going to be talking about the blessings of God on our life. So, you know, when you look at other people who have more than you do, it's easy to wish that you had more, right? When you look at, at the circumstances in your life, in your past, that were unfair or painful, it's easy to wish that you had a different past. When, when you and I fight the same challenges, day in and day out and day in and day out, and they just won't seem to go away like a, a stuck record, they just keep playing over and over and over, it's easy to let these challenges eclipse the blessings that are in our life. But this morning, I want to quickly give you something. You, if you have something to take notes on, you might want to just jot this down. 
I, I, I was thinking, why is it that gratitude is important? Or, let me say it another way, what are the limits of ingratitude? How does ingratitude limit us? Let me give you some things that an ungrateful person can never do. An ungrateful person cannot grow. There's no way to grow when you have no gratitude. An ungrateful person cannot be generous because they don't have enough. Right? How can I be generous? I'm, a, I'm ungrateful. I don't, in their view, I don't have enough. An ungrateful person cannot be happy because in their view, they're mistreated. An ungrateful person cannot remember their blessings because the bad things always overcome the good things. A grateful person cannot be humble because a grateful person has no reason to be, an ungrateful person has no reason to be humble because they're self-made. Nobody helped me get where I'm at. I got where I'm at on my own. An ungrateful person cannot love people because nobody's ever done anything good for me. And here's the, the biggest one. An ungrateful person cannot please God. Now, that's a big one. An ungrateful person cannot please God. Romans 1, 20 and 21. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities... What are they? His eternal power, His divine nature, that's God's invisible qualities, have been clearly seen. The invisible qualities of God have been made visible, being understood what has been made, so that men are without excuse. Verse 21, For although they knew God, now that's a big sentence, that's a big word. Although they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God, what does this phrase say? nor gave thanks to Him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. What does ingratitude produce in your life and mine? It produces futile thinking and a dark heart. So a person with futile thinking and a dark heart cannot please God. An ungrateful person cannot please God. Gratitude is something we all believe we should have more of, right? I mean, I don't think if we took a polls for another, no, I'm fine. You know, I've got enough. I'm good. I'm solid. It's something we all believe that we should have more of, but sometimes we feel a challenge in getting there. And it has to do with our focus. When our focus is on what's unfair and on what's bad and on what's wrong or the lack that we battle, then, then we struggle with gratitude. But when our focus is on Jesus and His Word and His presence and His blessings, then gratitude swells up in our life, but then something else must be done with that swelling of the heart in order for gratitude to do its work. And that is that it must be expressed. Now we're going to look at a story in Luke chapter 17. Jesus met ten men uh, who had experienced the blessings of God in an extraordinary way. And uh, in this story, we're going to learn how important gratitude is to God. So Luke 17, we'll start at 11. Now on his way to Jerusalem, this is Jesus, he's traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. So he's, he's right on the boundary line between two different cultures and two different regions. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him and they stood at a distance. And called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. So we start with these ten guys. They have the worst disease of their day. The physical ramifications are absolutely horrendous. When a person had leprosy, 
uh, it attacks the body. It attacks you on a cellular level. The disease is somewhat of a skin disease, and it begins to rot your flesh away. And in time, uh, your flesh starts to deteriorate, and you begin to lose fingers, you begin to lose toes, you have have, uh, sores on your body, damaged limbs. In many cases, the initial pain of the disease isn't even the worst part, although your body rotting to death would hurt. It eventually rots to the point that your nerves are so damaged you can't feel anymore and therefore you do more damage to your body because you can't feel when something you put your hand on is hot so you just leave it on there and it burns. You can't feel any injury anymore. It, was, it, it wasn't just the grotesque damage that you could see. It's also what you could hear. Imagine everywhere a leper went, they had to say, I'm a leper. You know, get away from me. I'm unclean. And then there was the smell of the flesh that had infection. And I think probably worst of all would be the emotional pain. Can you imagine the emotional dilemma? You're removed from your family. You can't see your children. You can't see your grandchildren. You're diagnosed one day, and the day you're diagnosed, you can't even kiss your wife goodbye. You can't kiss your husband goodbye for fear that you will infect them and the rest of your family. You are instantly removed in a moment, uh, sent to another community of all lepers, and then there you are having lost everything, having in some way still being alive but very much being dead. It is a, it is a living death. And it would be an unbelievable uh, tragedy. So lepers tended to roam together. They would look for food and they would, they would talk to people from a distance because according to all the laws of the day, since there was no cure, all they could do is create some kind of quarantine system which included them saying, by law, a leper has to warn everybody that they're a leper and they've got to change sides of the street. And they have to, it was the leper's responsibility to stay away from everybody else. Because they, they're the one that had the disease. And they had to warn everybody when people were coming, leper, leper, you know, unclean, unclean, unclean. And so everybody would avoid them so that they wouldn't spread the disease. Can you imagine having to wake up every day, every day, every day? We talk about the power of confession. We talk about our identity. We talk about who we are in Jesus. We talk about how we talk about ourselves and think about ourselves in light of God's kingdom and His sacrifice for us. Can you imagine having to every day... Wake up and confess, I am a leper, I am a leper, I am unclean, I am unclean, I am dying, I have a disease. You don't have to think it, you don't have to just live it, you have to say it. Can you imagine how damaging that would be to your own sense of identity? Your identity is disease. That's who you are. So one day these ten men meet Jesus and they say in a loud voice, have pity on us. Verse 14, when he saw them he said, go show yourself to the priest... And as they went, they were cleansed. Now, this is a a unique function of the priest in their time. A priest didn't just handle things in the temple, and they didn't just handle worship services and, you know, sacrifices and light candles. They did all of that. But one of the priest's job was to examine a person who had leprosy or who was suspected of leprosy and either declare them clean or unclean. So what Jesus is saying is, go to the priest, let them look at you, and let the priest decide uh, to check you f- and, and, and tell you what you have. Uh, you know, if you have leprosy, if you don't have leprosy. Now, can you imagine what these guys were going through as, as Jesus gave them this command? 
If the priest gave them the okay, their entire life would be restored. They could work again. They could be around people. They could return to their family. And these ten men with leprosy have to report to the priest. But here's what I always wonder, how odd it must have been for Jesus to say, all right, these ten guys are saying, we're unclean, we're unclean, we're unclean. And Jesus is saying, go to the priest. Can you imagine how odd this must have struck them? For what? Like, did you miss the three fingers that I'm missing on this end? Did you not see my deformed arm? Did you not see my leg at the kneecap is missing? Do you not, do you not, can you not smell the infections on my body? What do you mean go to the priest? It's odd to me that they said, okay. Like, what was their plan? They're going to fake it? I mean, I don't know. They're just, nothing's happened. Jesus hadn't healed nobody. Nobody's better. And they just start walking to the priest. Now, stop for a second. That brings up a very important question. Sometimes when God asks you to do something, do you ever try to figure out how it's going to turn out before you try it? And then if you don't like the way it's going to turn out or you're not sure, you don't do it? You ever do that? How much better it would be if when God asked us to do something, we just did it? And we didn't try to figure out the end. Well, I'm not really sure, and I don't know, and I've and, and I got to find out, and i got to understand. I gotta, what did Jesus say? He said, go to the... They weren't healed. They were no better off than they were ten minutes before. But Jesus said, go to the priest. And what's interesting to me is these guys just took off. I mean, I guess if you're a leper, what you got to lose? Right? I mean, you're not doing anything anyway. So they look down at their bodies. They look at their mangled body. They look at their tortured body. They look at the, the, the repulsiveness of their own skin. And, and they're no better off than they were ten minutes before. And, and here they go uh, before they saw Jesus. And yet here they go, headed off to see the priest. And the Bible says, on their way. Wonder how many things God would do in our life on our way to obey Him. Wonder how many good things would happen if we take the first step, not because we knew how it was going to turn out, we just knew what He said. Wonder how many things would go well. On their way, they were healed. On their way, a hand reappeared. On their way, fingers began to grow back. On their way, an arm was straightened. On their way, their skin went clean. On their way, the sores dried up. On their way, an, a leg grew on the end of a kneecap all the way down to a foot. Can you imagine this? They're looking around. Can you imagine ten guys? This isn't one guy. Ten guys. Can you imagine them looking around going, Thank God. It's so You think that people rush the field after a football game victory. You ought to see this. These guys got their whole life back. Everything changed. They start screaming. They smile. They cheer. They, they erupt in absolute madness. And they all ran home as fast as they could, not even being able to believe that the nightmare is finally over. That's what all of us would do, right? We all want to share the best news of our life with those we love the most. That's what these guys would naturally do, except one. One guy did something different than the other nine. And it's noted here in Scripture for us, verse 15. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. I love how the Bible lays stuff out. It almost seems incidental to me 
Ten were healed. One came back. He came back screaming and praising and thanking God. And, and he returned to Jesus uh, at his feet and thanked him. And oh, by the way, he was a Samaritan. Now, what, what is that? Why, why would you put that? What does that mean? They, they are walking, the Bible says, Jesus is walking on the boundary line between Galilee and Samaria. So he would have been accessible in that moment to both Samaritans and to Jews. But the Bible wants to point out to us this guy's a Samaritan. What does it mean? It means that the Jews looked at this Samaritan as a person who was unworthy of God. He didn't even belong. He was a half-breed. This guy was a half-breed, and he didn't even belong, and he didn't even fit, and maybe unless he was a leper, he wouldn't even have been allowed inside a community where Jews were. In his mind, he had no right to talk to Jesus, let alone be healed, but he's the one that came back. You know what I found out? The one who's set free from the worst circumstances is the one who finds gratitude the easiest. I guarantee you the person in this room, the people in this room, that have been through the most hell, that have been delivered from the worst things, that have been rescued and set free and healed and, and uh, uh, delivered from all kind of crazy things, I guarantee you those are the people sitting in the room this morning that gratitude comes the easiest to you. Because you got no right. And you know you got no right. It's obvious to you from your life. What about everybody else? You're going to have to work at gratitude. Because sometimes you get confused and think that you have a right. Sometimes because you think you're a third generation Christian or because you served God a long time or because you never did this or you never did that or you never did the other. Sometimes you can get confused and gratitude comes harder for you. And so you kind of got to work at it. You kind of got to go, what is there to be grateful for? I've lived a good life. Who gave you the good life to live? Who, who, who allowed that? This Samaritan is the one that came back. I don't know what the other nine were. Maybe they were Samaritans. I have no idea. And when he came back, he wasn't shy about it. Publicly and with a loud voice, he came. And this guy had been forced to yell for maybe years, leper, leper, unclean, unclean, unclean. And probably he had yelled for so long to project, to follow the law, to keep people away from him. He probably, you ever have any friends that can't whisper? You know what I'm saying? I had a roommate in college, and I'm telling you, the guy had no, he had no concept of whispering. We're sitting in chapel, and he's sitting beside me. I'm in college. He's sitting in chapel, and he looks over at me and says, I like this song. <laughs> All right. Hey, do you think he's going to preach again today? To go, whisper, he'd go, hey, do you think he's going to preach again? <laughs> no, 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 no. Don't change the tone of your voice. Whisper. So I'd say, whisper. Okay. And then he'd kind of like, you know, morph it a little bit. No, whisper. God was incapable of whispering. This guy had probably yelled for so long, he's like tone deaf. He doesn't even know. He's just, thank you, Jesus! Everybody's like, oh my gosh. What happened to that guy? And here he comes. He came back. He fell at Jesus' feet. He was just louder than the normal person. He's praising God, and he doesn't even know who's around or cares. He just comes back saying, Thank you, Jesus! Thank you, Jesus! Thank you, Jesus! Have you ever experienced a moment that was just so pure and, 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 and just so 
pleasing to God? Somebody who you look at and you say, in this moment, that person is incapable of even having a wrong motive. There had to be something so pleasing to Jesus about that moment. It was raw. It was unrehearsed. It wasn't planned. It wasn't... It was just a spontaneous reaction of his heart. They're walking toward the priest. He's healed, and people shoot off in nine directions, and he goes, wait a minute. I want to go back. And he just, out of the spontaneity of his own heart, goes back. In verse 17, Jesus does have one question. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine. One healed leper caught himself in the middle of a celebration and he turned back around. He put his family on hold. He never made it to the temple where the priest was to be even proclaimed clean. Nine other men went other ways, but he's the only one that retraced his steps and went back to Jesus. Now, it's not as if the other nine were not grateful. I'm convinced the other nine were grateful. They probably cried and shouted and couldn't get off their mind. The first thing they're going to say to their family when they walk in the door, the, the, a guy that's going to hug his little girl or hug his son or hug his wife or, or she's going to hug her husband, hadn't been able to even have this kind of communication in so long. They were probably overwhelmed with all the emotions and thoughts and the gratitude and the excitement. I believe all ten lepers were grateful. But only one of them expressed it. And somehow, that was a big enough deal to Jesus that he wanted it to be in the Bible. That was a big enough deal. Look, it's easy to offer spiritual platitudes. It's easy to wave our hands over our fast-paced lives and say, Oh God, thank you for our many blessings. Well, well which ones? Specifically, which ones? Somehow expression matters to God. So I have a question for you this morning. If expression matters to God, is Jesus happy with your expression? He was happy with this guy's. Is Jesus happy with your expression? I didn't ask if you were grateful. I didn't ask if you felt gratitude. I asked you, is Jesus happy with your expression? You have a thank you note in your hand, uh, and if you were going to write on it a thank you note to Jesus, what would it say? So I, I want to quickly give you three areas that you can think about expressing gratitude to Jesus in. Okay? Here's the first one. Getting through tough circumstances. And so, as we're talking now, I'm just going to give you some questions. If something jumps into your mind, something that happened this year, maybe something that happened earlier, and you say, oh, wow, you know, I hadn't thought about that in years, but I'm so grateful. I just want you to write it down. Getting through tough circumstances. Isn't it strange how things come in our life and we think they're going to kill us and they don't? You ever said that? Oh, this is it. Anybody ever watch Sanford's son? It's Elizabeth. It's the big one. Man, I, 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 if I'm honest with you, I've had those moments where I've said, I just, I'm just not sure I'm going to make it through this one. I'm just, I, to be honest with you, this might be the one. 
But yet I look back and I'm standing here today and somehow by God's grace I did. The tough times that you make it through. David said, you rescued me from the lion and from the bear and he remembered specifically what God had done and he said, you brought me out of the pit. So here's some questions for you this morning. What pits has God brought you out of? What tough places? Who are the names of the people that God sent to help you? Because God sends people to help people. I'm convinced. Write their names down. What were the moments that things worked out at exactly the right time? You do know that things don't work out at the right time on their own, generally. Like the world's broke and the timing of the world is broke. And when things come together at a, at a specifically the right moment for the things that God wants to happen to happen, most of the time, if not every time, God's hand is in it. What are the moments where things worked out in the right time? What are the rich truths that you've learned through the tough times? What has God taught you? Man, I, some, of the, some of the riches... The treasures of the kingdom of God in my life came through some of the worst moments of my life. But I hold on. I hate, I hate the pain. I hate the problems. I hate the suffering. I don't want it. I don't want any more of it. But the truth that emerged in it is like a diamond. It's gold. It's precious. It's, uh, it, it's sustaining. Andrew Crouch used to sing a song... If I, if I had never had a problem, I'd never know that God could solve them. And I'd never know what faith in God could do. Here's the second area, blessings of all types. The Bible says in Timothy, every good and perfect gift comes from your Father above. So I kind of like to say it like this, if it's good and it's in my life, it came from God. I know where it came from, directly or indirectly, whatever. It's here. So what are the things that you've always had plenty of? Like we focus on the things we lack, but what are the things you've never lacked? What are the things that you've always had plenty of, you've never had to worry about? If that comes to your mind, write that down. Maybe a large family or a, or a good job. Maybe you've never been one of those people that was between jobs and couldn't find a job. Man, that's a huge blessing. Money, maybe you've always had money. Or health, maybe you've always had good health. Or friends, church. Safety? Maybe you have parents who love you. What a blessing. I can tell you, I've talked to a lot of people who have parents that don't. And if you've got parents that do, what a blessing. A pastor named Jack Hinton from North Carolina was uh, on a missions trip in the Philippines, and he was leading worship at a leper colony. Check that out. That'll change your perspective. Leading worship at a leper colony in the Philippines, and there was a time for one more song, so he asked, uh, can, is there any song you want me to sing? And there was a lady sitting in the back that had sat the entire worship service with her back to the stage. And she turned around, and she was absolutely hideous. She had been eaten alive by leprosy. Her nose was gone, her ears were gone, her lips had been damaged, and she... Most of her fingers had gone at least to the first knuckle. And she lifted her hand up and said, Can you sing, Count Your Many Blessings? And on the way out the door, one of the team members that went with Pastor Hinton 
said to him, I bet you can never sing that song again. He said, oh yes, I can sing it again, but I'll never sing it the same. I'll never sing it the same. My life has been changed. What are the things you've had plenty of? What about the blessings you have in Jesus? He's available 24-7 in prayer. What about the other Christians who've poured their life into yours? What about the freedom of worship? You know there are thousands of Christians today, if not millions in the world, who do, there definitely are millions, who do not have freedom to worship. There are hundreds, thousands, who in 2015 were executed, martyred, blown up, killed, suffered violent attacks. Just because in the opinion of the people around them, they worship the wrong God or the wrong way. You, you, ever, you ever had any threats like that? I haven't. Freedom to worship. The blessings you have in Jesus. Thousands, hundreds of thousands of Christians in jail today because they worship the wrong God. How many Bibles do you own? Like, like if I'm honest, I'm not sure. I honestly don't know. I don't know how many Bibles I own. I know I own a lot. Do you know there are Christians in the world that share pages of the Bible? They, they read it and read it and read it and memorize it, memorize it, memorize it, and then pass it off to another Christian and wait for another page to circulate. I've got it on my phone. I'll just pull up 20 translations on my phone in a second. Do you realize you and I have access to God's Word that no people who've ever lived on earth before have? What are the blessings that you and I have today? Here's the last one. Forgiveness and restoration and healing. What chains in your life have been broken? What things did you struggle with at one point in your life that you don't struggle with anymore? What habits did you at one point you were addicted to and bound by and they're not even part of your life anymore? What are those? What freedoms have you gained? What guilt has been released from your life? You don't live motivated by guilt in areas anymore. You live by grace. You are free. You're not chained to the prison of guilt. Just keep showing up and doing the same thing over and over because you feel so bad when you don't. Now you show up and you do the right thing because you feel so good because of what Jesus has done in your life. What shame and fears have been removed? What nasty things were done to you and you lived so many years of your life thinking it was your fault? And now you've grown up in grace and you realize it wasn't your fault and you're not dirty and you're not wrong because it happened. You're free. You can hold your head high and you have no shame in your life. What things did you used to be afraid of? You would cower. I remember when I was 12, I, every, my parents would leave home. I'd sit in a corner with a loaded 20-gauge shotgun waiting for somebody to get me because I lived bound in fear and paranoia. And I'm telling you, I don't even remember what it felt like down. Things that used to define your life that aren't even part of it anymore. Get your little pen and write it down. Jesus' name, write it loud. What relationships have been restored? What would there was brokenness and conflict and bitterness and unforgiveness, but there has come healing like a river? Where 
were you when you decided that your life in God was better than your old life and you would never go back? Where were you at when that happened? How did that, how did that happen for you? How did you come to that conclusion? This morning, here's what I want to do. We're going to just simply sing through this song, Thank You, Jesus. And what I want you to do is just to stand with me. And then before we leave, we're going to pray together. So unless you just absolutely have to go, would you just stay with us for a few minutes? We're going to sing through this song. And whatever that you wrote on that little card or is in your heart and mind, as we sing this song, I just want you to lift your voice and to lift your mind and to lift your thoughts and take your focus off what you don't have and off what went wrong and off how unfair things are and put them on Jesus and put them on how blessed you are and what how good God's been to you and what He's done. And I'm telling you, when that gratitude wells up in your heart, express it. Lord, I thank you today for your goodness. I thank you today for your mercy. God, I thank you today for what you're doing in this place. I thank you for the life of God we feel. Lord, we come this morning to express, not just be grateful, but to express it. But to express it. Before the worship team sings it again, I want to show you a scripture. And then I want to invite you to pray. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Don't, don't worry. Pray about everything. With thanksgiving, bring your request to God, and the peace of God that that's a promise so I want to ask our prayer team to come right now and here's what I want to invite you to do if you have a need in your life if you have a request for God if you have something that you've been praying about or you want to pray about if you have something that's worrying you when you lay in bed at night and you close your eyes what are the things that rush into your mind and you go, man, I can't sleep because I'm worried about this. Here's what I'm telling you. The peace of God is about to enter this room. Because we have given Him thanks and He invites you in an atmosphere of thanksgiving to bring your needs to Him. So this morning, the worship team is going to sing it lightly. And if you have a need, I want you to come and I want you to receive the peace of God over your need and your life and watch how God answers. So as the worship team begins to sing, Lord, we thank you today for the peace of Jesus.